welcome to Season 2 of Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and founding pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. David, I've missed you since we've been on break. I've missed you too, Rhonda. How was Easter at your place? Well, it wasn't exactly the Easter's I remember from yesteryear, but it really was a wonderful day at my church and certainly better than Easter 2020. Um, And, you know, my sorry attempt at being a televangelist. Right. I think we were all televangelists during this last year. Yeah. How was your Easter? It was really, really wonderful. It was our first worship service together in person, outdoors, at the old cemetery in downtown Rock Hill. So it was a different sort of Easter, but it was really great. Yeah, a different kind of Easter for sure. And as we're getting into our topic for season two of Pastor Life, we're going to be focusing on a different kind of church life. As you know, we as pastors lead our churches through the tumultuous transitional waters between our COVID way of life and a post-COVID, hopefully post-COVID way of life. Exactly. I'm hoping it's going to be a post-COVID way of life at some point soon. And during season two, we're going to walk through Pinnacle team leader Mark Tedsworth's book, Reshape, Emerging Church Practice in a Volatile World, drawing from Mark's insights as we seek to help our congregations navigate uncharted waters in the days ahead. And in this episode, we have the man himself, the guy who literally wrote the book with us. Mark Tidsworth will be our special guest. We look forward to talking with him about his book and specifically what he calls the gift of crazy times. We're glad that all of you are joining us for season two of Pastor Life, coming back after COVID. So David... I remember in season one, all the way back to season one, you were telling me and our listeners about an article you read suggesting that this season of, of transitioning to, from, well, from COVID to post-COVID might be the most challenging for pastors. And we talked some about that. So I just want to ask you, are you, uh, you know, it's been a few weeks since we recorded that episode. Are you finding that to be true in your own pastoral context and with other pastors that you're working with? You know, for me personally, I think the jury's still out. Hmm. Uh, we are just having the conversations with the welcome table about what it looks like to get back together. And I know there are varying levels of concerns from various people and families and age groups and all of that within our worshiping community. So I'm not really sure. I'm not feeling the decision fatigue or the pressure to go one way or the other right now. But I think how we come out of this and what do we learn and how do we move forward, I think the jury's still out. And I think that uncertainty is just something we're going to have to live with. How about you? How are things going at your place? Yeah, so I'm wondering if the the author might be onto something. I am discovering that there are a lot of expectations and that my job is a lot about managing all of the expectations right now and a lot of different ideas about how to, to come back and when to come back, right. <laughs> who we're going to be when we come back. And it, um, it's been pretty intense, uh, to be honest with you. been pretty intense these past couple of weeks. So 
yeah, so the author may be onto something with that. Well, and I wonder, it's so easy for us as pastors who are extremely invested in our local level of the body of Christ. And so I, I think it will be really good that we've got Mark coming on in a minute, who tends to be able to get that 30,000 foot view. We're down here in the details and right. rustling around with the folks in our settings and maybe wrestling around with ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that maybe Mark can help us get that high level view. Yeah, I'm hopeful too. And I, I think, you know, he always has some good insights from that 30,000 foot view. And so maybe he can help you and I as pastors, as well as those pastors uh, tuning in to Pastor Life Podcast. So let's bring on Mark Tidsworth. For this first episode of the second season, as we get into this reshape material, we have the author himself on the line with us. Mark Tidsworth is here from Pinnacle Leadership Associates, our founder and head honcho. Uh, Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me on Pastor Life. As we get started, just tell our listeners a little bit about how reshape came to be and maybe what your hopes are in getting this subject out in front of people, uh, particularly at this time. Yeah, well, we at Pinnacle have been talking about adaptive change for a long, long time. And in some ways, it's been a hard sell for churches because they knew we needed to change. But when they could kind of tick along and do okay with what they were doing, they weren't convinced we needed to change. And that's what COVID has done is removed those obstacles because obviously we all had to change and we all had to adapt. Uh, right away. So that's that's really where Reshape came from. It's uh, from observing churches, but also from just our organization as well. We had to change everything and move to online. And so it just became apparent quickly that we all were going to have to reshape everything in order to move forward in mission and ministry. And so it came out of, I guess, lived experience with churches, congregations, and ourselves. So, Mark, I love the title of the first chapter, and I think it's a great way to get into the concept of leading adaptive change. The title is The Gift of Crazy Times. And I wonder if, as you were kind of coming around to this idea of leading churches through times of disruption, what were some of the sources that, were, that you found helpful? Um, maybe some of the scholarship that you read? The missional church movement really provided a lot of that uh, footing, groundwork that we pulled from. People like Alan Roxborough and others in the missional church movement who are using words like liminality, which when I first heard it, had no idea what in the world that meant. But then with his writings and others, learned that it means in between time, a time when one paradigm is coming to a close and has run its course and another one has not risen enough yet to actually be a paradigm, that in-between space, liminality. And so that idea was already there. And I was familiar with that phrase and that concept. Uh, But then COVID came along, along with all the other disruptive life events, uh, the political divisiveness and the racial tension, and we can name many, but COVID's the most obvious one. The craziness of that simply highlighted the fact that we are in in in-between times. 
crazy times in a way. And so where we wanted to, to help churches get to was rather than seeing this as primarily as loss, grief, fear, anxiety, though those are there, even though we might have to move through those, getting to the place where we can recognize the gift. It's like we've been handed this gift on a silver platter for the opportunity to change like we've never had before because our churches stopped doing most everything. And when there's not another time in my life, I can remember when churches came to a halt like that. So the the beauty of that is we have the opportunity to decide what do we need to restart? What do we need to bring back? What in our tradition is life-giving and meaningful that we want to continue? What was traditionalism that really had no use anymore? And we need to not resurrect and just leave where it is. So I hope I'm answering your question somewhat, but liminality. Yeah, liminality. I love that word. Yeah, and it seems like the idea of living in the in-between times is certainly a uh, biblical image. You know, there's strength and resources from our tradition that we can certainly bring to the table in terms of this. It, it seems like there's an opportune moment for churches to have that conversation that you're talking about, the things that we've always done, the things we want to bring forward, maybe some things we want to leave behind. I think that's a challenging conversation, though. And you write some about the snapback and maybe our tendency to want to go back to the way things were or to what used to be normal. What are some of the different ways or pathways forward that you see as churches respond? And, and maybe as we kind of come out of COVID, what are the scenarios that could happen with any given church? I think there are two pathways really, that uh, are parallel to one another. I'm not sure if they start at the same time or not, but they run concurrently at some point. On the one side, there's this deep longing for reconnection. We've had to be distanced. Uh, We've been socially distanced. In some ways, we've felt spiritually distanced. We've been distanced. And so there's been loneliness. There's been isolation. And so many of us have this strong desire to reconnect. And for many people, the way they identify they will satisfy the desire to reconnect is to go back to exactly what we were doing before. And we want to suggest through Reshape that that is one way to satisfy the need to reconnect. But there are additional ways to satisfy the need to reconnect. Uh, Like in the book, we talk about identifying that which does not change, our practical theology, and we can take that forward. So, So on the one side is one pathway is the desire to reconnect that's natural and normal. I don't think that's dysfunctional or crazy or anything negative at all. It's a normal human need. While on the other side, we have this opportunity to transform and to be different and to take what has happened and use it for our growth and for our benefit. And so that's the challenge for leadership in churches is helping people to reconnect and be grounded and centered and meet the normal human desire to reconnect in relationship and connection in the body of Christ without insisting that also means we must do things exactly snap back to exactly the way we were before. But instead, if if we can reconnect in some helpful, 
healthy, meaningful ways, like with some of the rituals we have with worship. We can do some reconnection work. Then I, I hope and trust it freezes up to, to then reflect on what did we experience during COVID that we may need to bring forward and uh, bring into our, integrate into our ongoing life as churches. Yeah, thanks for that. At my own church, we, you know, as we've kind of begun to reconnect after uh, the diaspora (laughs) that I like to think of it as, um, I'm hearing a few people in my congregation, they're they're ready for us to do, uh, let's do a 10-year strategic plan or, you know, five-year. And I've heard you say, I think you use, is it Procter & Gamble? You say that Procter & Gamble um, will only plan, I think you've said, nine months out. And so what I wonder is, are we entering an era, or maybe we're already there, of just constant crazy times, constant disruption? Is this, you know, is this now the rule rather than the exception moving forward? Yes, greater uh, minds than mine have certainly identified that, that uh, with the, the VUCA, an acronym, that uh, volatility has increased, obviously, in recent years. And uh COVID is the greatest example of that, but many people believe uh, this will become the new normal, that a rapidly changing world and culture is the way we are going to be in the world. And so when that's the case, well, let me give you an example. I remember Peter Singe from the 19, late 1990s wrote a book called The Fifth Discipline, and he is the one who invented the phrase, the learning organization. It's a huge, thick book. It's worth reading, even though it's dated. So it's a, it's a great book. But he his idea was he predicted the organizations and companies who would thrive in the 2000s would be the ones who can learn the fastest, the ones who can uh, learn from their environment and adjust their expression of their organization uh, in a relevant way that's still faithful to their mission but is relevant to their context in their environment. And so I think he was more of a prophet than any of us knew back then that he predicted it is going to be a rapidly changing environment. So, so what's that mean for churches then? I think one of the, one of the things it means for us is one of our greatest assets then is the ability to transform and to change and to adapt. And fortunately, there is a person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit by name, who is uh, our helper with this and who is identified as the one who knows how to do this and has been assisting the church in adapt- adaptation since the beginning. And so I think we are going to uh, get more familiar with the Holy Spirit and be adaptive organizations, so to speak. Yeah, it seems like COVID has forced us in many ways to adapt in ways that probably pastors and congregation folk alike never thought we would be able to. And so looking back over the 12 or 13 months of COVID times so far, it seems like that is part of the gift that you're talking about, this expanded capacity or maybe just a realization that we can actually change and adapt better than we thought we could. Do you feel like that's a a part of this learning church moving forward? Yes. Churches have really been amazing in the last year or so. They have done things they never thought they would. 
One, the major obvious example is moving worship online. You remember, there were lots of churches who said, we could never do that because we don't have the expertise, the technical knowledge. Uh, We'd have to find specialists. It'd be a huge deal, a major problem. And then everything changed mid-March 2020, and they learned how to do it in three days. And then they were online for worship in three days. So it was amazing innovation and adaptation that took place really quickly. And so that says, that says we literally can do it when we need to. We can change and we can adapt to the environment when we need to. And so I think recognizing that and celebrating it, and I would encourage church leaders, look for all those many ways that churches have adapted and affirm like crazy because it helps us uh, have the eyes to see, yes, we can do this. When we need to, we can do this. And so uh, it's just been amazing to watch over the last year or so. I loved seeing, uh, you know, social media posts of lots of my pastor friends, you know, with their iPhones and and the ring light. And, and all of us have had some sort of experience with some of that adaptation over the past year. And so early on in COVID, particularly, um, I think a lot of our focus was related to how do we turn our in-person church into a virtual church? Um, and now what do you see as the major challenges going forward for churches as we kind of come out of COVID? Yeah, we at Pinnacle, as you all know, are using phrases like your satellite campus or your second campus. And we are doing that to partly be intentionally provocative in a way because churches have invested lots of time and energy and finances in learning how to be a spiritual presence online. And people are participating who were not participating before in churches. There are lots of people who may have been the duns uh, who are now participating online in various ways. And so I just think that is that is here to stay. It is here to stay for the churches who have the eyes to see and ears to hear. And that's the message I would want to say to all of them, if I could, is there's this great opportunity to connect with people in our world that we are doing, we learned how to do during COVID. We don't want to abandon that. Let's keep that second campus going, that satellite campus going. And when we talk about it that way, it gives some dignity to that form of being church. Uh, It's interesting. We're having new questions that we never had before. I know of a church in Minneapolis and one in North Carolina who have received requests from people who do not live in their community asking if they could become members of their church. Yeah, that happened uh, happened at my church too. Okay. Well, these, these two churches I know of, they weren't prepared. And this, so they said, uh, well, we like the idea, but we don't really know. Is it possible for you to join? What's, what's it mean if you don't live in our community and you want to join? We've never had that question before. So that's intimidating in some ways, but extremely exciting in some ways. If we can give ourselves permission to lay aside our expectations for what it looks like to be a part of a church and to say, we are in this time of liminality 
and the paradigm is changing and it's shifting and it is taking new shapes and forms. And the church has done this before and it's doing it now. So let's give our blessing to observing how the spirit is moving and how the spirit is leading and trust that God will lead us into this new expression of church. And uh, that's, I think when we can get there, that's wonderfully exciting. And, and I want to be a part of churches like that. One of the things that we were saying even before COVID was that every pastor is a transition pastor. And I think that points to this idea of living and, and, and being the church in the midst of changing times. And COVID has probably only accelerated that. And so for pastors who are leading their churches back into some version of connection post-COVID, is there advice or wisdom or something that you would say to them that could help them navigate that transition? Help us, Mark. Help us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, on the one side, we are all learners together and, and, you know, I say that kind of in jest, but uh, maybe that's part of the answer is having a learner's mindset uh, for pastors and church staff. In some ways, the pressure is off if they can let themselves be there in that no church has ever come out of a pandemic in the living memory of any of us who are part of those churches. And so we are literally creating it as we go. And so I hope there's some freedom in that. But also in the Reshape book, we lay out several key moves, and let me describe some of those that I think could be very helpful to those pastors and church leaders. The first two are reconnecting reconnecting uh, church, and we've talked about that already. The second one is debriefing our experience. Uh, I learned that through doing critical incident debriefings with Churches. I used to be a, a therapist, and I would do those with with banks after a robbery, with uh, corporations after a break in, or some sort of critical incident would happen, and we would do a debriefing to help their employees be okay and move forward from that incident. And I started doing some of those with churches too, when they had uh, unusual natural disasters or other sorts of things that would happen. So, pulling on that experience, COVID. And all of the ramifications from it was such a major life disruption event. I think we need to give some attention to debriefing that experience collectively as a community of faith. And when we do, we will help drain some of the emotionality out of it. We will help center ourselves in our faith and in our faith community. And we will liberate ourselves from some of the grief that's involved in all that. So before I would suggest a pastor leads any kind of change, first, reconnect people really well. Then secondly, do some debriefing. And then the emotionality of that experience comes down. And then we are ready to step back and do some sorting of our experience. Looking at what we did during COVID and uh, in the Reshape book, we use these three buckets. Uh, Three buckets. It's a very simple example, but it's a great visual to help people sort their experience. What do we start during COVID that we may want to keep? And let's put that in the continue bucket. What do we stop during COVID 
that we may not need to resurrect, that maybe has run its course. Let's put that in the stop bucket. And we have an explore bucket. What other ideas do we have or visions that we didn't start, but we might want to? Let's put them in the explore bucket. So uh, doing, doing the sorting and then moving on to choosing a growth mindset. Uh, and there's a whole chapter on that. And I draw on Carol Dweck's book, uh, Mindset where she talks about these keystone beliefs. So all of that's from social science, that there are beliefs that uh, allow people to have a growth mindset. But even more than that, that's been a part of our faith for forever, that Christ followers, when they encounter something new, what we do in our best moments is to say, where is God in this? What's the spiritual direction in what we're experiencing here? And our what we aspire to is to be transformed into greater disciples of Christ. So how can we grow from what we're experiencing here? That's a growth mindset. So we do the sorting, we, we adopt a growth mindset, and then that allows us with the sorting to identify uh, some pathways for our church. We have some sound sort of like technical language or reshape ministry plan that comes out of that. Uh, we're doing some small groups with churches that results in a plan, but it's really a guide to help a church take their next steps, harvesting, capturing the innovation that has happened. So that's a long answer to that question of what, what might pastors and church leaders do, but there are some specific steps that you can take uh, outlined in the Reshape book. And of course, I would recommend that one, but there might be others. So I would say to a church that find a process that is tangible, actionable, and can help your people know uh, it's a directed, proactive way to make the most of the experience that you've had. Yeah, Mark, thanks so much for sharing some of the process with us. And let me ask one final question. What is your great hope for churches who engage in the reshape process? Spiritual invigoration. I hope if it was up to me, I would hope that they could catch a sense of what it's like to be part of a spiritual movement. I, the way our faith started out in the beginning, it was just, just a few people, not much organization. I, they were following the Spirit's lead, and they radically changed the world. That's what I would hope, is that we would reconnect with the DNA of our faith. And it would sort of be like, uh, the, the visual I have is, is we've been like dormant coals in a way, and that, that these volatile events function like wind blowing the ash off those coals to where the Emmaus Road thing happens, you know, where they felt their hearts burning within and, and they come alive. And I think that's, when we can experience it, that's what happens is we, we get a taste for Brian McLaren's phrase, alive in the adventure of Jesus. We discover it is a way of being and a way of life, and we get drawn into it, and we come alive. That, that's what I really hope will result from churches who engage reshape. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if that's where we ended up after this COVID experience? 
Thanks so much, Mark. This was really good, and it'll be a great introduction as we move into several weeks where we're going to dive deeper into the ideas in Reshape. Well, thank you for uh, looking at Reshape and sharing about it, and I'm delighted to join you on the Pastor Life Podcast. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Be sure and check out our website at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com to learn more about Pinnacle, Pastor Life, or about how you can lead your church through the reshape process. And sign up for our weekly e-news with relevant articles and other resources from our team, as well as information about upcoming webinars and coaching cohorts. Well, Rhonda, we're in season two. You know, it seems like uh, we ought to be old pros at this by now, right? Yeah, right? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>